What's up, queens and royals? I'm your host, Angel, and you are listening to Awakened Love, a podcast on sex, love, and awakening. And these are the conversations to evoke the wise, wild, woke one within you. Let's go deep. What's up, beautiful awakened humans? Today, I have Azria Becker, who is an artist, a performer at heart, who has segued her decade in the entertainment industry into coaching high-impact individuals through accelerated personal transformation. She's a writer, a filmmaker, an artist, and the co-founder of Becoming, a platform as well as the author of Becoming, the brand new book, which we're going to hear all about today. Welcome, my love. Thank you so much for having me. It's a pleasure. for being here. So let's dive right in. Of course, we're on Awakened Love. So we're all about that conscious relating and its many facets. Can you share, big question, what love has taught you over the years? And by love, I mean love relationships. Oh my goodness. (laughs) That's a big question. (laughs) So are you asking about specifically romantic love? Are you talking about like capital L cosmic universal agape love? Because to me, they're they're the same, but they're different. Yes, (laughs) I feel that. Paradox. Yeah. Let's go with romantic love. And then maybe you can talk a little bit about that paradox because I do feel, as you say, there's like overlap there. Yeah, for sure. I've been reflecting a lot on how much romantic love has impacted my journey, my my sense of self, my identity, and has been really a huge like focus in my life. Um, so it's hard to imagine who I would be today if I hadn't had such impactful romantic relationships and connections, both really positive and, and, you know, expansive and also very destructive and very difficult and heart wrenching. (laughs) So Mm -hmm. just the capacity or my capacity to feel, I guess, in, in all directions of the spectrum of the human experience, the most extreme highs and the the most extreme lows have been directly related to romantic relationships. So if I had to summarize what they taught me, they've taught me that I think they've taught me a lot about polarity, the polarity <laughs> within myself of of my again my expansiveness into the into those into the pain and pleasure realms, um, but also the polarity between the feminine and the masculine, and and the the polarity of of those of that dynamic um, in human form, right between male female or not necessarily even gender based, but because I've had polarity with women too, <laughs> that has been very. <laughs> very potent. Um, But yeah, but just those poles and how those can create and generate magnetic, you know, I don't know what to describe it as, but force fields, I guess, of of energy, of attraction and repulsion. Mm. Um, So yeah. Yes. Yes. Yeah. That full spectrum. I'm right there with you, sister. Love and sex have definitely also been my spiritual dojo. And and absolutely. (laughs) I heard a teacher say recently, like, spiritual evolution is not just an ascent, it's also a descent. And it sounds Mm. like you're kind of speaking to that a little. For those listening who perhaps have heard the word polarity before, but maybe don't fully understand what it means, from your perspective, what would you say polarity is? Mm. I mean, polarity, I would say, is one of the fundamental laws of our reality. 
Um, we live in a world of opposites. So you could just swap the word polarity for opposite and you would, you could kind of understand it perhaps um, more tangibly, but yeah, you know, up, down, cold, hot, love, fear, pain, yeah. pleasure, um, asleep, awake, you know, we're, mm. we're, we're always dancing in this vast cosmos multiverse of, of polarity. Uh, and so I think when we start to see life through that lens, we can start to understand that it's a spectrum and we exist on a spectrum. But the real, I think, spiritual initiation and, and understanding comes when we realize that even though it appears that there's this, these opposites seem very real in this dimension, there's actually also a perspective in which they're not at all separate or opposite. They're all one thing. <laughs> so mm-hmm. it's it's really a paradox. Um, but, yes. you know, we, we use this example in our book, uh, cold and heat, right, are, are opposites. Um, but if you look at what cold actually is, it's not a thing that exists in and of itself. It's just the absence of heat. Mm. So the polarity is created through the absence of something. So like love and fear, you could make the argument that fear isn't real, fear is an illusion, but fear is what you, we experience when we have an absence of love. Mm. Mm, beautiful. I feel like you're touching on it now, but do you feel that there is a difference between polarity and duality or are they kind of one and the same? Mm. Yeah, I would say they're very similar. Maybe a subtle difference would be duality is about, I guess, more about separation, the the, the perspective of separation versus unity. Mm. Um, so the duality I mean, in some ways, yeah, if you look at like the yin and the yang symbol, right? And and this shows up in so many, in so many places in our in our history. But I think when I think of a dual perspective, it's like I, I see it I see it more as through the lens of separation and um and unity, if that makes mm. sense. Like yeah. like like if that if 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 the universal and I, I, I struggle to even say universal truth because I'm not sure such a thing even exists. <laughs> but, but you know, let's say we we agree, okay, you and I, in our worldview, that that at the highest level, at the source level of conscious pure consciousness, it's all one. And yeah. so that that's actually the natural state from which we emerge, and then we sort of separate off into this individual unique experience. Mm. We're now living in a state of duality, right? Mm. Because we're we experience ourselves as separate. But the greater quote unquote truth is that we are not, that we are intrinsically connected, yet we are having this identity experience that gives us an opportunity to really explore ourselves um, through that dance of opposites. So Mm. yeah, that's, I don't know if that made if that yeah. made any more sense, but. Yeah, uh, what I'll reflect back and let me know if I'm getting it is is this kind of difference between the lens through which you look. If you are in realization of the ultimate reality as well as the relative reality, like they say in Buddhism and the words you're using is like the oneness, divine consciousness, that would be the ultimate reality. And the individual reality is as you're mm-hmm. expressing, like our individual expression. And what I'm hearing you say, if I got it, is that polarity is kind of, uh, dancing through the counter forces whilst holding that ultimate reality, mm-hmm. whereas dancing through the counter forces without reference point or access to or awareness of that ultimate reality might look more like separation and duality. 
That's really beautifully summarized. Yeah, exactly. I would say you can very much play within, well, you, you, you are by default playing within the realm of polarity just by being in a human body in this world, mm. but you can do so with a non-dual perspective. Mm, mm, mm. Yes. So for our listeners, how might they benefit when they start to learn about polarity, master polarity? How, how could their life change? I mean, it's, 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 it's kind of the ultimate game changer, I think, because so many emotions that are challenging or difficult to understand or things that we would normally reject and repress and deny and think we shouldn't be feeling suddenly become just opportunities for us to expand into uh, into more polarity within ourselves, right? And so um, that's been my experience on this journey of consciousness, like we, looking at our school system, our education system, everything is very linear. We're very programmed to think of life and ourselves in this very linear fashion, right? Like you go to kindergarten, then you go to first grade, then you go to third grade, then you graduate, then you go to college. It's like very linear, but my experience is actually more, it's more spherical. So consciousness expands in all directions sort of simultaneously. And so the more light and love and joy and beauty and radiance and abundance I call into my experience, the more I kind of also have to be willing to go into the opposite side of that spectrum and feel the opposite of all those things. And I don't necessarily have to live the reality of those things, but I kind of have to be willing to touch those things within my own general field of emotion. Yes. And everyone listening who listened to not the last episode, but the episode before that, I was describing my dieta experience and it was exactly this, Mm. (laughs) the descent and the willingness to touch and hold and experience aspects, not necessarily of my psyche, but of the psyche, the Mm -hmm. nature of mind and touching and experiencing that descent. I love how you express it, expanding in all directions. Super, super powerful. Uh, I mean, it's a good segue, kind of touching on on plant medicine work. I know that that's been a big part of your journey and shamanism. Could you speak to, again, I'm kind of asking this line of questioning, but what has, if you had to distill it, and of course you don't, but for the sake of trying to capture some of what you've learned, if you had to distill your plant medicine teachings, lessons, journeys into three grand lessons that it's taught you or whatever comes to mind now? What would those three things or lessons be? Well, I think we already covered one. So yeah. certainly certainly, my experience of plant medicine work has been the the polarity, but also the paradox. Like, <laughs> yeah. you know, the thing you <laughs> thought was true like 12 seconds ago, all of a sudden is just completely transformed into its polar opposite. And you're like, how are both true at the same time? But they kind of are. <laughs> Cosmic you know? joke. It's so much cosmic joke energy, especially with with ayahuasca. Um, so, yeah, and it just forces the ego and the mind to constantly let go of what it thinks it knows, and and it's that's what's so powerful about it, and really confusing to the human mind, also. Yeah. Which is, um, yeah. So, so I think we covered one already. The other two, I would say. Well, you know, I think. Being able to what the what the plant medicines and psychedelics in general have given me is that felt lived experience of being one, of being mm. in that unity again. So beyond duality, beyond polarity, beyond all the opposites, in that sort of full radiant, I am one with the universe space. Yeah. Uh, that that space isn't theoretical to me anymore. It's very real and very tangible. Yeah. 
And I've also done a lot of medicine work, but I feel like even from after very, my very first ceremony, just having had a taste of that and, and, a, and a felt remembrance of that in my body yeah. was just a completely, it was an operating system shift at like a fundamental foundational level. And it's the kind of thing that you can't really unsee. I mean, you can, or unknow rather, you can, you can certainly have moments of forgetting and I have had many of those where I'm like, wait, but is, did I just make that shit up? And I just got high and now I'm like back in, the, in this weird story of separation. Everything feels really freaking separate. Like <laughs> it feels really damn separate right now. <laughs> um, and so it is easy to lose track of that. But I think the more that you live in that space and whether it's plant medicine or meditation, which is something that has become a big part of my life just really in the last couple of years, um, is those are all access points into that non-dual state. And so the more we live in that state and let our brain rest in that state, the more it shapes our lens on all of our life. So when I walk into the grocery store and I'm interacting with the person behind the counter, I'm not seeing that person as a separate entity. I'm acknowledging that they're an individual human on their journey, but I'm also acknowledging that their soul is a fractal of my soul. we're, We're all connected. And so it changes how I show up at the micro and the macro level. <laughs> just um, a tad. <laughs> just, a, just a smidge, you know? You know, just so. the unified field. <laughs> <laughs> just that. <laughs> so that, and then I would also say third thing, um, I mean, this may sound a bit generic, but it is certainly a game of surrender. So I would say the medicine has taught me how to surrender and surrender what I think I know, surrender what I think I want, surrender attachments, um, surrender fear, and surrender Mm -hmm. distraction. That's like a big one. I feel like every time I work with medicine, I always have to pass through this threshold where my ego like tries to use the method of distraction to get (laughs) me like out of this mind-altering state and wants to cling to the known. And it's like, let's go down all these little rabbit holes in our brain and think about completely <laughs> irrelevant subjects. <laughs> and, and in the medicine space, that gets amplified, right? We're doing that all day, every day, because our monkey minds are like running the show. But in that medicine space, you really get to see it. You really get to see the power of the mind to pull you into all of these non-important places that disconnect you from the present moment. So I would say that's been a huge one as well. What does that surrender get you? We talk about surrender a lot. And I think, you know, what does it get you when you can and do experience that total surrender? Yeah. I mean, I would say the surrender and not the forced surrender or the artificial surrender, because that is just you trying. (laughs) (laughs) Trying trying doesn't work. (laughs) Trying is not the same as surrender. Um, (laughs) Surrender comes after- You round a few times. Oh, man. (laughs) Surrender comes after you you literally give up trying. (laughs) You you burn yourself out on trying to surrender. That's when you surrender. Um, No, but yeah, it's, it's- uh, where does it get you? I mean, I, again, I think it g- gives you a glimpse of that that non-dual state, which is kind of the ultimate place from which all creation can flow. And whether it's, mm-hmm. you know, surrendering into an orgasm and like letting yourself get out of your head and into your body and into that pulse of the moment as the energy is flowing through you, and that becomes your portal or your access point into that non-dual state, even just for a moment. Yeah. Um, I think it's that's the practice, whether it's sex or or ceremony or you know, or again, being at the grocery store, like we always have these opportunities to, uh, 
to surrender into into that bigger that bigger capital L love. Yeah, it's like yeah, that capital L love, that unified feel, that oneness is what's beyond the let go. Mm-hmm. And it's almost, it's as terrifying to the ego as it is exhilarating to the soul. And Mm -hmm. there's that polarity, which is part of the doorway, I think. (laughs) That's the whole fun. And like, that's what the medicine keeps showing me too, to add a fourth one. But I'm always reminded like, this is, you came to play this game of, of human existence. And it's like, you're wearing this flesh suit, you have this avatar, you're here for a moment, you know, in, in the grand scheme of things, it's like a blip on the radar. And yet it all matters. Like it, none of it matters because it's actually, you're just a fleck of stardust and, you know, in a, in a multiverse so vast, you can't even begin to comprehend it. But simultaneously, and this is the paradox again, it all deeply matters. And every move you make and every thought you think and every emotion you feel is having a ripple impact in the collective that will shape the rest of everyone else's experience. So it's like this, that's the ultimate paradox I feel like that yes. I've had to grapple with. Yes, I feel like I've had fits of laughter, tears streaming down my face, experiencing that as the cosmic joke of like, mm-hmm. you are God. And as you say, every move, breath creates a ripple you're creating. And also you are a tiny speck of dust that is mm-hmm. almost irrelevant. Both are true. And it's like holding that brings you to laughter and tears. I had a client recently in a really deep somatic session touch on this essence, this part of her that is like pure power and worthiness and remembrance. And when I asked her to then flip into it and embody it after a time, she just couldn't stop laughing because Mm. the hilariousness (laughs) that she ever worried or that she ever felt, uh, insecure or any of that, it became hilarious. And I think there's such a power to having those experiences, even as you say, as we forget, as we all do. Something about having an embodied experience of that changes you forever. Uh, Would I be correct in saying that you are an ambassador of plant medicine and psychedelic therapies? Um, I think think ambassador is certainly... uh, I guess first I would want to clarify the definition of what ambassador is. Yeah. I do feel like I'm a voice for the plants and for, Mm. for these modalities. Um, And they do give me, you know, what feels like a lot of information that wants to be transmitted. Uh, And so I do feel that I'm a channel for that Mm. and that that's part of my sacred soul contract and my mission in this life is to be able to verbalize those teachings and share them in through, through my, my creative expression, um, and through my story, through my personal story, my journey of becoming, that's really, I feel like that story is encoded with teachings from, from these experiences so that for those people who will never work with these medicines because they're not called to them or because they can't because of medication or whatever the reason, or they can't access them, that they can receive a little taste of that medicine through, through the story. Um, so Certainly, I believe in the power that they wield, and I also have a tremendous respect for their power, and I also have seen ways in which they have not served people. Yeah. And, and maybe there isn't such a thing, right? Maybe even if someone has a very difficult experience, they're still being served at some level. Yeah. But I've certainly seen them... Over the years, I've been humbled because in the beginning it was like, oh my God, I found the Holy Grail. Everyone needs to try this. You know, I certainly was like full-blown ambassador <laughs> at the <laughs> beginning of my journey. Um, and I've really, 
I've, I feel like over the years I've just seen that it does, it, it really does have to be right. Like it has to be the right fit, the right time. It's, you know, you have to be ready. You have yeah. to have the right, the right environment for this kind of thing. So I would be an ambassador, but with a big like caveat. Yes. Um, <laughs> You yes. Know. Let's talk about those caveats for a second. I think it's not spoken about en- enough. And mm. uh, when do you think someone perhaps is not a fit for plant medicine? Like what might be the key indicators? Or we could reverse that question. How? Mm. What are the key indicators that someone is a fit for plant medicine? Whichever feels mm-hmm. better to answer. Yeah. So I think, and and I'm not a, I'm not a shaman and and I don't have that training. And so I'm only speaking just from my experience having been a bridge between yeah. people who are on the path and and uh, and facilitators and and I've curated and and organized retreats and stuff like that. So I've I, I feel like um, what I've observed is that if, if if people have if there's a if there's a dependency um, on a substance, whether it be an antidepressant or alcohol or just things that are incompatible with specifically the frequency of ayahuasca, mm-hmm. you want to be very mindful of that. Um, yeah. We had a woman come to to do some work and she had been still consuming alcohol. Um, this was one of her, one of her pain points that she was really working through. And, um, but swore to us that she, that she wasn't consuming alcohol. And then we found out later that she still was. And it, it was really interesting because she had multiple experiences with various different medicines and none of them actually worked. Like she didn't, she oh. didn't, she, they, she couldn't create any kind of real dialogue with, with these teachers. Um, and I've seen that with a couple other people who consume a lot of alcohol, which I, I really just, I don't know, I've lost all interest in alcohol since I started this path. Not that I was a big drinker beforehand, but it's just, it, the, there's something incompatible there with the frequency. So I've seen it um, create almost like a barrier, I would say. Mm. Um, so, so yeah, so I think to the willingness, if you're, on, if, if you're in a place where you're willing to potentially like really let that go for quite a while, to desensitize your system to be able to receive the frequency of, of the medicine. And again, I'm speaking right now mostly about ayahuasca because mm-hmm. that's that's the main teacher I've worked with. But um, yeah, and then of course, if there's proclivities towards mental illness or things like schizophrenia, bipolar, I personally believe that these are not disorders or, or illnesses the way that we look at it through the Western lens. I really believe that these are very misunderstood shamanic gifts. And so I think that people who have, like if coming back to that subject of, of polarity, right? When you look at someone who has bipolar, their spectrum of their ability to feel in the highs and the lows is just much more expanded than most people. And they don't really have much control over how to navigate that pendulum swinging, right? So they have these manic episodes where they're, they're really feeling the unity and the oneness. And a lot of really creative geniuses are bipolar. Um, and they just get this crazy inspiration. They're tapped into the the unified field, but then they swing kind of uncontrollably in the other direction where they go into the shadow and they, and they don't have the tools to navigate that. And so I personally believe that with the right guidance, if you had bipolar, you could still actually work with these medicines, but you would need to be very mindful of having the right tools and the right preparation and the right integration to make sure that if you um, if you go into those places and you do find yourself you know 
diving deeper into the shadow than maybe most people have access to, that you can do that in a safe way because there can be psychotic breaks. Like it can happen, you know, and, and, and it's not. And I think a lot of times it's just because that readiness to, it's so tough to prepare for something that you can't really even begin to comprehend like where it might take you, right? It's like yeah. you're packing for a trip and you don't really know <laughs> what that trip is going to be like. You know, that trip could be, you're going into the into the Arctic and you're going to be living in the snow for 12 weeks. You're going to pack differently than if you're going to the tropical summer vacation spot, right? With With ayahuasca in particular, you just really can't really know where it's going to take you. So mm. I think slow and steady mm-hmm. and um, having a lot of tools. So I would say on the flip side for people, you know, it's, it's generally people who have a strong meditation practice or who are spending time in contemplation, who are in connection with nature. Um, those are t- generally people that I think have an easier time navigating those, those realms. Yeah, I think that's such beautiful and potent advice. I've certainly had moments during psychedelic and plant medicine journeys where I think, wow, so, so grateful for my mindfulness practice right now because there's a lot of pressure on the psyche. And I Mm -hmm. would say that definitely, at least in my experience, it, it is a high, like a lot of pressure on the psyche and that pressure can create diamonds and that pressure I can also understand how a certain amount of pressure given certain people's certain life experiences and either tools to resource or not could create those breaks. And I think it is important to to give voice to that and for people to be prepared that it is a lot of pressure on the psyche and that mm-hmm. can be the birth canal. That's a lot of pressure, right? When we're freaking getting totally. squeezed by the vaginal canal and we come out to life. Um, but I, yeah, I think it's important to touch on and, and my brother actually has been diagnosed bipolar schizophrenic. And mm. I think that in his journey, there was misuse of psychedelics for sure and maybe not a lot of guidance. But I do wonder, I've seen an amazing TED talk for anyone listening who's interested. And it was a woman who actually healed herself of schizophrenia, which is almost unheard of. And hey, here's not to say she went through absolute hell. She, like she she shares that, that she had many years lost in the wilderness and a lot, a lot of pressure on her psyche and a lot of intensity. But the thing that brought her back was she was actually a psych major, I think, at university. So she had a good understanding of the mind. And what she realized, at least for her in her journey, and I'm not to minimize anyone's experience, it's so different. The psyche is so complex and we just don't know enough about it. But for this woman, and it gave me a lot of hope and it was just really fascinating to see the the courage and the resilience of this human spirit. She realized that the pieces that sounded like external voices were actually just fragmented pieces of her own psyche that were very, very afraid. And so when she would hear a voice saying, don't go outside today, she learned to address that voice as a part of her psyche and saying, huh, okay, I recognize a part of me is scared to go outside today. It's kind of like internal family systems, which is Mm -hmm. a mode of therapy. And she would work with that part to integrate it and bring it back in. So yeah, I think that mental health is an important thing to take into consideration. Uh, What advice would you give to anyone considering uh, doing plant medicine or psychedelic therapy, just from your perspective? I mean, I think there's a kind of a knowing that, that you can feel where it's like, almost like this ancient non-intellectual knowing beyond the mind, you know, that's just like you feel that pull or you feel that that recognition, remembrance. 
um, when when that topic comes up. So if you're if you're in a place where you know that conversation keeps showing up in your field, or you keep meeting people who are like, oh, I just had this experience, and and you tune in to what you're feeling in that moment, and you might feel fear because it's an unknown, but sometimes you know that the knowing is kind of encased in its in in a layer of fear um and on the other side of that is 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 profound magic and so if that if that is showing up for you i would say trust and listen and start communicating with the spirit of ayahuasca if that's the medicine that's calling you or the spirit of mushrooms if that's what's calling you start communicating with the spirit of that energy like without ingesting it you know you mm. can start to you can integrate it into your meditations, into your prayer. You can even do like automatic journaling sessions where you're addressing that energy and then you're asking a question and you're letting it kind of respond through your own handwriting. Mm. Um, these are all ways that you can start to build a relationship because to me, that's ultimately what it is about is it's not just about me taking something, which is a very extractive energetic, right? It's kind of how our whole Western mindset works. It's really about, communing with an intelligence that is so vast and so ancient and and really also a part of me um that feels like family like when i when i've worked with aya it's been like a homecoming it's been my experience and that's not mm-hmm. everyone's experience <laughs> yes but for those who are called a lot of times there's i've heard a lot of people share that sentiment so so yeah i would say i would say that's that's a good place and then also walk in prepared you know if you're not meditating right now, I would recommend starting a meditation practice and sitting with yourself for at least 15 minutes a day if you can, um, spending more time outdoors and putting your feet on the earth and being with the natural world, plants and animals and trees and grasses. Like That's what this energy is all about. And so, yeah, rooting yourself in that mm. can create a lot of power in, in the actual experience. Such beautiful and sound, sound advice. This is my last question on this topic and then we're going to pivot. But if you, there are maybe, you know, not maybe, there are many different psychedelic plant medicine modalities. Just for fun, if you had to give them kind of like a frequency, a flavor or a character, how would you distinguish between at least the medicines or psychedelics that you're familiar with? Oh, that's a great question. Like what would be their their personalities or avatars? Yeah, kind of? yeah. Well, I mean, ayahuasca feels like the the grandmother energy to me. And I know that in, in South America, a lot of times she's more just referred to as mother. Mm-hmm. But um, I was, for some reason, the grandmother, also I was raised by my grandmother. So that feels very resonant for me. Like this crone energy, ancient wisdom, um, the consciousness of earth itself. Mm-hmm. Uh, very benevolent, but also can be very stern. <laughs> yes, <laughs> <You> honey. <know? laughs> yeah. Um, and... And then mushrooms feel to me more masculine, I would say, more either neutral or masculine. Mm -hmm. But um, when I think of the mushrooms, I really think of not just one consciousness. I think of this network, right? This mycelium Mm -hmm. network. And so I think of many, many different kind of like threads and strands of the same energy. Um, And to me, they can be they can take you deep for sure, but they can also be more almost like mischievous, I guess. Yes. I get the trickster energy. Trickster. Yeah. Yeah. I was just going to say that. Um, yeah. And then 
I mean, I've consumed a lot of psychedelic substances in my life, so I don't know how long you want this list to be. <laughs> let's, do, let's do a few more, whatever comes to mind. I mean, I guess what's interesting is, so I, I can't really speak to, well, peyote um, I have had experiences with, but I haven't had that experience in the very traditional way. Um, you know, there's a very traditional way of serving that medicine where you're up all night in a teepee doing these chants. And I haven't had that experience. So I don't know if I can really speak to it, but my experience that I've had of it has been much more of a masculine energy, which I think is pretty commonly understood that way. And, um, and then cannabis, Santa Maria, you know, I went through a relationship with that medicine where, well, for a long time, I really didn't treat it as a medicine at all. It was just a recreational substance that I consumed, um, and then ate large amounts of unhealthy food and <laughs> watched too much Netflix. Um, but but yeah, I, I mean, I've had a pretty significant relationship with cannabis over the course of my life. And um, that medicine feels feminine to me. And to me, that, femi- that medicine has a lot of polarity in it. So it has served me at times and felt very expensive and really opened me up to my creativity or brought me into my body and allowed me to laugh and just feel really warm and fuzzy. And it's also probably more so had kind of this shadow energy where it's not really felt like it was actually making me clear. It was, it was more like fogging me up a bit. Yeah. I've also observed like a little bit of addictive tendencies creeping in where it became habitual and then it wasn't really very reverent and sacred, the, the relationship. Mm-hmm. So I've kind of moved away from that medicine entirely at this stage mm-hmm. uh, because I just don't love how I feel in the hours after. Like I feel like my clarity just isn't there. Mm-hmm. And I've kind of fallen in love with being super clear in my consciousness. Yeah. Um, so yeah. But I would say that energy is very, I almost feel like it has a bit of a mistress energy, like a seductress mistress energy. Oh, yes. I would (laughs) totally agree. Sometimes she holds up the mirror real hard to the aspects of your psyche that are not pleasant and she will have you sit there like the mistress. And then other times, yes, it totally seduces you into joy and opening into your body. I think that's a beautiful, beautiful way to put it. Uh, Any experience with DMT that you feel willing or open to share? Um, I mean, well, ayahuasca has DMT in it, right? right, right. So that would that would be the the most. That's the only real thing I can speak to. I haven't had the more traditional one off DMT experience. I mean, I've 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 had experiences with DMT, but they were not really like noteworthy, honestly. Mm-hmm. Um, and maybe that is yet to come. We'll see. I know a lot of people are having very profound experiences with five uh, meo DMT specifically. Mm-hmm. I just haven't haven't had that yet. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So beautiful. Thank you for playing with me there. Uh, Let's shift gears a little. I would love if it feels inspired for you to share a little bit about your love story with your husband, Benjamin. Oh, man. Well, we wrote a whole book about it (laughs) because it's quite a vast love story. Um, It's, yeah, it's a profound, profound connection that we share. We met um, in 2019 and have been just on a like a roller coaster ride together from the moment we met. It was this crazy chemical explosion uh, of attraction and yeah, I mean certainly sexuality has been a very big part of our connection. Um, 
And that was very new for me. I had never gotten a chance to really experience it at that, that level before. I'd had beautiful and profound connections and, and intimate relationships with partners, but that sexual click hadn't been there. And I had been really calling that in. So I was like, this is what I want. I want this very primal, very embodied masculine energy that can like show me the realms of my sexuality that I'm scared of, that I'm not ready or don't feel like I can access on my own. And I want him to push me past my edge and like mm. let me expand into this sexual goddess that I know is in there, but just had yes. never really fully been able to come out. Um, and so careful what you wish for, because I, <laughs> I called him a, a, a very masculine man. Um, yeah, very strong alpha energy who had the capacity to do just that. And we just, we we met and I mean, it was like, if you really want the play-by-play, you can read the book. But um, but yeah, we within a week, basically, I was moving in. Um, and from that moment forward, we've been pretty much inseparable. I think like, yeah, two and a half weeks into the relationship, we were in Tulum together, actually. And uh, he- Oh, I read this part of the book. It's so oh, you juicy. You know, share it for our listeners, but I'm just like, oh, wow, real juicy. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, definitely a little bit of Fifty Shades of Grey in there. Um, I would yeah, say even we, better. I haven't read I, it, I would, but- Hopefully yeah. the conscious version, yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, we, we went to Tulum and we were really in a kind of a rocky place at the very beginning because I was very much questioning monogamy and questioning, not just like with him, but just in general, like wondering whether that was the right, format for me be, yeah. just and and also I'm by nature someone who questions societal structures and kind of like the things we accept as quote unquote normal and those are the things that I want to pick apart and reinvent <laughs> um and so I had been in this question of like one I just um, I don't have jealousy really in my system it's not, I don't it's not something I experience and so with that I thought well maybe I'm more wired for a different type of dynamic, more of kind of an open relating dynamic. But I think the, the honest answer was I didn't know because I'd never tried it. I'd on, only ever been in monogamous relationships. So when we when we met, Benjamin was at a very different place in his journey. He's older than me. He has two kids. He was married, divorced. Um, and he had really gotten the, let's go out into the world and date and have all these connections. Like he had gotten that chapter out of his out of his system in a big way. Um, after his divorce. So by the time we met, he was super clear what he wanted and he wanted life partnership. He wanted devotion. Um, he wanted to build a life with someone. And that was very intimidating to me. Mm. Um, and I really had to be honest with him about the fact that I wasn't there. I just wasn't ready to, like I had this crazy connection and attraction and desire to lean in, but also this real fear that we may not be compatible um, so we went to Tulum a couple of weeks into the relationship with that big question mark. And then we had an experience in Tulum that was, and did you say I should share it or not share it? Yeah. I mean, share a little. It was okay, I'll it's give a little so sneak potent. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, so we were in this question and Benjamin had, Benjamin is an avid reader. And one of the things I find so incredibly attractive about him is he just loves the whole subject of personal transformation and his whole bookshelf is lined with all the books that I either have read or would want to read. And um, he was reading a book on that trip called The Second Mountain by David Brooks. Mm. 
And the second mountain is really about shifting from the first mountain of traditional success to the second mountain, which is being of service and contribution. But there's a couple chapters in the book on marriage and commitment. And he happened to be reading those chapters right on the kind of on the day where we were, we decided that we were going to do a journey together, um, an LSD journey. And so it was right, right. Even before we started the experience, it was like we were in this question of like, is this even the right thing? Should we even be doing this right now? Like we're we're just we're feeling this you this connection, this this chemistry, but we're also feeling like all of these red flags. And um, so we decided to to move forward. And so we we ingested the the medicine, and then we were sitting on the beach, and he was reading this book, and he shared with me these chapters on marriage and commitment. And this is what I love about psychedelics, and and LSD has its really, it, it does have its medicine. Like it can be true medicine in, in, in the right context. I absolutely agree. But yeah, but it just, it opens you, right? It, 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 it allows you to go beyond your ego and your fears and your ideas of what you think you know. And it allows you to feel, to feel and, and open energetically. And so that medicine was coming online in my body as we were reading this book. And the words were just resonating at such a deep level, even though they were the total opposite of what I was like, feeling thought I was wanting to explore, which was more polyamory and all that stuff. And this, these words about marriage and devotion and long-term commitment and the power of, of that and the power of making one choice and choosing one person and like sticking to that and what it can facilitate, the freedom it can facilitate. Like all of these things were just landing for me in a, in a very new and potent way. And then this tropical storm comes out of nowhere and everyone around, I mean, it's a bright, sunny day in Tulum on the beach, right? And everyone grabs their stuff and runs inside. And Benjamin had gone to the, to the bathroom, or so I thought. Um, and so I was sitting by myself when this rain starts coming. And it's, all of a sudden, it's like pouring. And I'm alone, deserted on the beach. Everyone's gone inside. And so I just take off my bikini top. I run, walk to the water. He comes back from the bathroom. He, he comes, joins me. We, we end up being in the water. It's like this incredible experience. And then he takes me back to our casita and I walk in and I find the room illuminated with candles. He hands me a blindfold and he's like, all right, here's the deal. And I'm like (laughs) peeking on, on LSD at this point, you know, everything is moving and pulsating and we're like dripping wet. Um, and it was that moment of surrender. Like, do you choose to surrender to me? Was his question. And, uh, I took the I took the blindfold and I and I chose and it, and in that in that experience of just letting myself let go into that container that he was holding for me to explore these parts of my sexuality that I didn't know how to bring online everything I'd been really looking for it was in that experience and coming through that experience on the other side that I was just like I'm all in like it scares the shit out of me but I it's there's no, I can't argue with this. Like I can't argue with the potency of this connection. And so that, that was, we call it our all in moment. And, (laughs) (laughs) you know, psychedelics give you that taste, right. Of what it feels like to be free of fear, but ultimately they wear off and they're temporary. So you go back into your regular life and you have to face off with that stuff again and again. So yeah, I've, we've been on quite a journey around that and it's been, it's been one of the most 
challenging and also one of the most expansive opportunities for me to to be in this relationship because it's forcing me to look at so many parts of myself that I didn't even know needed to be looked at. (laughs) (laughs) So would you describe this as the process of becoming, which is the title of the book, Mm B-E-Q-O-M-I-N-G, if I'm correct? Uh, Would you say that that is kind of the process that you go through this? Is it through the lens of the relationship? What What can our listeners expect to receive if they wrap their eyes or their ears around this juicy book? Mm. Yeah, it's it's a combination, you know, the becoming journey is we we define it as devotion to the process of becoming who you are designed to be by embracing your greatest challenges as curriculum and savoring the full spectrum of life and death. Mm. So that's our definition of becoming. We spell it with a Q um for a couple different reasons. The one I'll highlight today is just the Q represents questions. Mm. So the the path of becoming is really about asking yourself essential questions, you know the fundamental ones like who am I and why am I here and yes. what is existence and all that small stuff. The ones um, you almost can't answer intellectually but just have to live in the process of becoming, I guess. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. It's a journey and it's not it's not about a destination. It's not about a, a finish line. It's about continually saying yes to your becoming. So for us, and our book is very focused on our journey as a couple because our relationship has been such a vehicle for growth and transformation. So for us, our becoming journey is in, actually totally intertwined and interlinked with our relationship. There's no separating the two. And so our story, well, our book is really kind of a, a hybrid of personal development book meets erotic nonfiction meets <laughs> um, memoir style meets romance. Like it definitely has a very strong like romantic component to it as well. I mean, right up the alley of all of the people listening to Awakened Love, consciousness, <laughs> sex, love. It's, mm-hmm. I mean, I've had the opportunity to read parts of it as a pre-release and it is so juicy and awakening. And you know that that's what I love, this connection between eroticism and love and devotion and expansion. And you guys keep it really real and raw and vulnerable. Uh, so yeah, for everyone listening, where can they, when and where can they find the book? The book will be released two twenty two twenty two. Yes, honey. Um, it will be available. It will be available on Amazon. Although I will say that if you want the really the good book, it's like if you want the good quality one, we designed a really special hardcover which has rose gold foil, and it's Oof. just it's 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 like a piece of art which you can only buy through our website. So that would be at becoming.me. Can they pre-order? Can anyone listening pre-order when, or they got to wait to the day? You can pre-order the Amazon paperback which mm-hmm. won't have the bells and whistles. If you want to get on the list to, to get access to the hardcover, you can sign up on them for the mailing list on our website. Amazing. Yeah. Well, my love, I feel like I could go on for so long with you and I hope I'll have you on again and maybe even Benjamin will join you oh, yeah. uh, next time. It could be really fun. But if you're ready, let's move into rapid fire. Okay. So first one is, what's the worst or best sex advice you've ever received? Um, the, the best sex advice I've ever received is from a woman named London Angel Winters, who's a really impressive, I guess, kind of tantric intimacy coach, author, speaker. Um, and she said in her book, for a woman, 
the the degree of pleasure that we are able to receive in the bedroom with our partner directly correlates to the to the amount of pleasure that we're willing to receive directly from ourselves. Mm. So that was Listeners very sound familiar. <laughs> yeah, that that was very eye-opening to me because I think historically I've been more in the mindset of it's my partner's job, my partner's responsibility to like turn me on and 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 get me get me in the mood, right? And a lot of times in my experience with relationships that would be very present in the beginning and then it would fizzle and then it would be like, well, where did the spark go? And why are we not, you know, hot and heavy anymore? Like what happened? And then, you know, you kind of, it fizzles and you move, move on and you find that spark with someone new, but it's not sustainable. And so that was because the sexual chemistry between Benjamin and I was so intense in the beginning. It's like, it's like a high, you know, it's like being on a drug, very potent drug. (laughs) And, and so I was, really like scared to come down. I was like, oh my God, what if this goes away? Like, this is the most profound thing I've ever felt and I don't want to lose it. So um, because I've been through that process of long-term relationships, I I was like, okay, this time I got to find a way because there's got to be a way. And sure enough, you know, I came across this work um, and, and it's really just understanding that, yeah, it's, it's being deeply turned on by life is a practice and you can have that cup, that juicy sensual energy flowing through you all the time if you're willing to cultivate it. Mm. And so um, while my husband does turn me on, I don't have to be dependent on him to turn me on. I can come into that experience already kind of juicy and saturated with my own life force energy. Yes, self responsibility and pleasure. Yes, yes, yes. Yeah. What book or books do you gift to people the most? Well, about it's about to be our book. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, we're going to be gifting a lot of our book away. <laughs> but if I had to um, pick a different one, I would actually say it's London's book. Mm-hmm. Um, London, London and her partner Justin wrote it together. It's called The Awakened Woman's Guide to Everlasting Love, and it's all about polarity. It's all about um, sexual, like awakened sexual intimacy. And they call it the, the yoga of intimacy. And it's really good. Oh my gosh. I'm excited to read it. I can't believe I've not come across her work yet. It seems yeah. so transactional. And I also, I love her name. Powerful mm-hmm. name. Yeah. Uh, someone comes to you and they're feeling really down. You can only give them one piece of advice. What do you say? Feel it all. You know, whatever it is, whatever's coming up, don't try and fix it. Don't try and solve it. Don't try and fast forward to the good part. Like just sit in it, breathe in it. Mm. Let yes, it, yes. let it, let it kind of consume you. And then when you're ready, you you can transform that energy into something new. Mm. I love that. What's the most important thing for successful relationships? Oh man, I think never taking the other person for granted. Mm. Like, I said this in a recent podcast, but have have a threesome with death in your relationship. Like mm-hmm. in the sense of realize that this person isn't just going to be around forever. I mean, not only will they inevitably die one day, but they could die tomorrow and it happens. Yes. And I think if COVID has given us any gifts, it's been the realization that like, this is a very precious life. And, um, and I, I apply that a lot to my relationship. Like when I look at him, He's busy on his computer doing something and I'm just staring at him thinking like, my God, like if you, can I love you and see you with so much love and devotion? Like no, if, if I were to 
you know, if I, if I only had 24 hours with you, how would I show up? Yeah. You know? So powerful meditating on our own death and then expanding that to meditate on our partner's death. It's yeah. It's it's such a missing key. It brings so much life into the relationship. Yeah, isn't that That's the, the polarity? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> the <laughs> more you can hold. Yes, yeah. yeah. The the deeper your roots go, the higher the tree can grow. So yeah, it makes sense. If you could be any animal, what animal would you be? Mm, I like that question. Um, well, I've had a felt experience of being a jaguar mm. when I was in my very first ceremony, actually. The medicine transformed me into a jaguar and I got to feel what it feels like. Like my body like stretched and expanded into this potent, muscular, sensual cat that was just like Mm. lounging on this epic branch of this jungle tree. And I was like, so yeah, I think I would like that. Yeah. Sounds like fun to me. If you could have any superpower, what would your superpower be? First of all, I think that we all actually do have superpowers. Um, and so the one that I'm cultivating within myself that I'm certainly still early stages, but is just what we spoke about earlier to be able to, to, to transcend this illusion of time, space, reality, and, and go into that infinite realm where it's like, it's all happening simultaneously. And I'm just pure frequency, pure love, pure energy, and to just live in that space as much as possible. Cause that's the realm of infinite possibility. So to me, that's the ultimate superpower is if you're, if you're tapped into that, you can create pretty much anything you want. Mm. What's your favorite thing that you own? Hmm. I guess I would say my dog, although I don't feel like it's even true to say that I own her. Like that feels very, I'm more her steward, you know, like I steward (laughs) her. I'm honored and privileged to be allowed to be the person (laughs) that takes care of her bodily needs. Serendipity, Um, right? Serendipity. God, she's she's beautiful. She's she's special. She's, she's pure magic. And I literally just gaze upon her. Like (laughs) I've had her for 12 years and I just get more and more obsessed with her beauty and her grace. And so I don't know if own isn't the right word, but I think you get what I mean. Like she's, if my house were to go down in in flames and there was nothing I could salvage if I, or there was one thing, it would be her. No, no, no question. (laughs) What's something you believe is true that other people might think is crazy? We like to say, if love is the answer, fear is the teacher. So Mm. I think most people would agree that fear is not serving um, and fear gets in the way. But I would say, even in our spiritual community, a lot of time it's all about like transcending the fear or rising above um, the fear. But I I really have found that the fear is a powerful teacher. And and the more we, we can make friends with it and like let ourselves sink into it, it's it reveals its true power. Yes, absolutely. I always say that like fear outside of survival shows us where our contracts of smallness are. Mm, I love that. If you could eat one meal before you die, what would it be? Um, thin truffle french fries with garlic aioli. Oof. <laughs> Good choice. Shoestring, the shoestring kind, you know, <laughs> really crispy. Yes. Oh. And this is the last one. If there was a universal answering machine and you could leave a 15 second note on it that everyone in the world, let's say every being in the universe would hear today, what would you say? It may look like things are getting worse, 
but we are in the birth canal and it is always darkest before dawn. So remember, you have the choice and you can choose love. And we are here when we are uniting and we got this. Mm, I have goosebumps. Thank you so much, Azria, for coming on and sharing your wisdom and your unique frequency that I just love dancing <laughs> in. Where can people connect with you uh, if they want to follow more? Yeah, so um, I think we'll actually create a custom page just for you guys. So for Yay. the, the Awakened Love podcast audience. Um, so it would be becoming.me, becoming spelled with a Q, forward slash Awakened Love. Yes. And um, and then from there, you'll be able to kind of find your way into our ecosystem and our whole world. And we're really creating some very unique offerings um, also on the media side. So the way that we're sharing our story is not just through the written word, but also through different short clips, video clips. And um, we're creating kind of like a, a becoming journey. And we want people to be able to receive that as medicine. So you know, in, in the digital age where like everyone is trying to compete for your attention and get you to click and scroll and share and it's just so overwhelming. We're really wanting to build uh, a different kind of relationship with the media and, and to think of it like over-the-counter medicine, you know, like you, you actually, you actually want to be present with it and fully receive it because it's potent and it's, it's filled and saturated with deep love and care. So, um, so yeah. Join, join us on that journey. Yeah. Run, don't walk, people. <laughs> Thank you so much for being here, my love. Mm -hmm. Until next time. Until next time. That's it for today, guys. Thank you so much for gifting me with your most precious resource, your time, attention, and your energy. And if you want to connect with me and my work more deeply, I would love to see you over at Instagram at Angelica Alana, A-N-G-E-L-I-K-A-A-L-A-N-A. -A -A -A. Have a beautiful week and we'll connect real soon.